Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to Lessons from Leaders. I am Lynn Gilliland, and this week we are with Michelle Nunn, President and CEO of CARE. And it is a great interview, and there's three parts you'll want to listen for. Being a leader with the opportunity to address the enormity of the current struggles. She talks eloquently about that. The biggest lesson as a leader of 2020, the value of humility and appreciating mistakes as lessons. So let's get to it. Enjoy. So welcome everyone. This is Lessons from Leaders. And of course I am Lynn Gilliland and we are here with the Michelle Nunn who I was just telling her how honored I feel to have her on. One, because of her own experience that she brings, but also I have a, a fondness for um, care. As I used to work for another NGO that's similar to care, I always felt like we were cousins. So, um, I'm so glad to have you here, Michelle. Thanks for making the time. Well, it's totally my pleasure and privilege. And uh, yes, I am honored to represent care and, and to be in your constellation of family members, for mm -hmm. sure. Thank you. And I ought to say also, Michelle is the president and CEO for CARE. I skipped over that part. Um, so, Michelle, just to start out, how are you yourself doing in these times? You just mentioned to me you have kids at home, you have a family, you have a dog. How are you doing? Yeah, we are. Um, we are doing relatively well in the in the grand scheme of things. And uh, I do have two teenagers, and uh, yeah, and a dog and a husband to go along. And um, I think we're all uh, finding new ways of approaching the challenges. And I think it's it's you know I think this has been a hard year, uh, no matter where you are or what age you might be. And um, I feel lucky to be a part of an organization that is directly addressing the challenges. So I feel a sense of meaning and purpose um, as I, uh, as I, you know, sit on my couch and do uh, zoom calls for uh, 10 or 12 hours a day. But it's, um, it's definitely a time that I think is built for organizations like care uh, to make a difference in the world. So it's both like personally challenging and you're like in the right place, driving the right vehicle for this time, if, if I can use that metaphor. Yeah, I do feel that way. I feel very lucky to uh, to be a part of something that is um, that is a that is a part of you know addressing the enormity of the challenges around us. And uh, I think that's a gift uh, to feel a sense of purpose and meaning at a time where um, where so many of us are struggling. And how, what are some of the things that um, you had to shift, and I'm sure you had to shift as far as the working remotely, but what were like some of the big changes, both with the pandemic and then with the racial injustice that you, quick things that you guys had to decide to do, which maybe would have taken you longer if you had had more time? Yeah. So it's interesting because we're coming up on, you know, about a year from when I think we were really staring in the face of the COVID epidemic and what we were going to do to respond to it. And I, I feel really proud of the care team. I think that we met the moment and the team met the moment around the world by uh, really um, creating responses in 69 countries. We've reached um, uh, more than 30 million people. And that's everything from 
setting up uh, washing stations and hand sanitation to cash assistance to uh, to doing 51 uh, gender-based uh, sort of rapid gender-based assessments of the humanitarian concerns in 51 different countries. So I think that um, we've all had to shift the way that we've operated. If you'd asked me again a year ago, will you be able to you know, mount a humanitarian response in 69 countries, uh, by the way, without really people being able to travel, with many people being restricted to working within their own homes, to completely uh, shifting your operations so that you were doing most everything virtually, while, by the way, many of your employees were trying to deal with the fact that their children were having to learn virtually, or perhaps were not even having the opportunity to learn by going to school, physical school. Uh, it, you know, it was a tough situation set of challenges to imagine. And um, so obviously, uh, I, I feel really proud of the team. And I think that we've uh, lived into that moment. I think, you know, over those months, we've also seen the enormous inequities that COVID has laid bare. And that's certainly been true here in the United States. It's been true around the world. Um, and, you know, care centers our work around, uh, around gender justice, also um, I think we have uh, recommitted ourselves to the idea that you can't deal with poverty unless you also deal with racial justice as well. And, um, you know, as I look back on this last year and I think about Black Lives Matter and I think of the the urgency with which I think we recognize that we need to uh, deal with some of these long-term systemic issues, um, you know, I think certainly CARE has been on that journey all, all along, but I definitely think that uh, we have um, tried to accelerate our, our journey, recommit ourselves also to, you know, question our own, um, our own work and our own, uh, our own capacity for change within the organization. We've set specific goals for ourselves and recognize that we fall short uh, and that we need to continue on that journey. Again, I think with the renewed sense of, of commitment and continuing to say we have to raise the bar from where we've been to where we recognize that we need to go. So um, there's definitely things that I think we all, as we look back, would say, oh, we, we, we wish that we had you know, done this with more urgency or wish we had done this two years ago. Um, but, uh, but I think we're all trying to take the important lessons that have been provided to us, sometimes difficult lessons, and to, uh, to, to lift those up and to act upon them and to recommit ourselves. And so thank you for that. And, and I didn't know the, the level of the response that you have, um, that you've done in this short amount of time. So my, my hat is off, really. That's not even the, a strong enough phrase. I'm very, that's so impressive. And I'm wondering, like, what did you learn, like, to respond in this kind of situation? What, what did you learn about your leadership or the kind of leadership that's needed? Maybe something you already did that you had to lean into more or an area that you hadn't paid attention to that was now needed in this situation? Yeah, I mean, I feel like the, one of the biggest lessons from a leadership perspective over the last year is just uh, the reminder of, of the value of humility. Mm. Um, it is, um, it's, I think we've all uh, had to, to, to learn things anew and to, um, and to perhaps challenge our preconceptions. And 
Um, I think that's certainly been true um, from my perspective. I think uh, I tend towards um, an optimistic sensibility, and that, that hasn't always served well in the last year because I think, uh, you, you know, I need to surround myself by people who also think about um, the worst case scenarios. You know, when you're, when you're facing into a global pandemic, you need people not only who are saying, um, you know, this is the best case scenario, but also people who are thinking about this is the worst potential inevitability, and we also need to be prepared for that. And um, so I, I just think, uh, I certainly think that the work around racial justice is, it also demands a level of humility. And, um, you know, for all of us who, uh, you know, I come as I'm, a, I'm from the American South, I've, you know, a, a white privileged woman. And um, I, uh, I just think the leaning into listening and learning and intellectual curiosity at this time is, um, is really important. It always has been important. And I definitely think at a time of such tumultuousness that the opportunity for, um, for really, again, challenging ourselves, rethinking things, learning from one another, and, um, and, and for me, also learning from uh, the next generation of activists and, and change agents. And, and um, that, again, intergenerational dialogue is also a part of what I think is informing uh, my um, sensibilities as I, as I move forward. I love the humility, like you packaged all of that in, in humility. And with that, I, I, the other things that come up for me are being uncomfortable. So if you're, for instance, an optimist, that's your natural style, just to listen to people who are not that, that's not easy to do. Every If you're like others, it's like rubbing tension, you know, um, so it's like, in addition, with all that, I imagine you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, and the listening also comes with being, having, being able to slap and slow down and be uncomfortable. If you're so many CEOs are action oriented, I'm imagining that you are. And there was one other bit of, oh, courage. All of this takes courage, doesn't it? To be humble, to bring humility, that takes courage. Yeah. Yeah, I do think it takes, I do think for all of us, um, it means accepting a degree of vulnerability, which is in some sense, the definition of courage. And also, um, yeah, recognizing that, um, that, that we really do need uh, to sit sometimes in tension or discomfort. And um, I think that's definitely, this has definitely been a year to test uh, to test that that those leadership um, imperatives for all of us, I think right. that's cool. And I think um, I think everybody's been stretched this year for whatever their comfort area is, whichever whatever it is. It's been to to show up at your best. It's everybody's been stretched out of their natural style. So when you you mentioned the listening to young people um, and the next generation. When you think about them as up and coming leaders, what what advice would you give them, or what guidance would you hope that they they took on board in their journey? Yeah, I mean, I tell, I especially tell young people because I still struggle with this myself. The um, the importance of being willing to kind of step into risk and risk as defined by the potential of failure. Mm-hmm. I think, um, and that often involves stretching beyond what you might think that you're capable of, or 
um, or trying something new where you're not entirely sure that you will, uh, that you have the confidence to, to be absolutely um, sure of your uh, capacity to, to succeed. And, um, and so I think that's just a, you know, a really important thing. You know, if I could, if I could, uh, if I could look back and think about the, the places where I've learned the most, often it's the places where I've made mistakes, where I've had failure. Um, you don't relish that necessarily, and you don't necessarily um, aspire to it for yourself. But I think um, without it, it's it's hard to believe that you're actually uh, that you're actually as audacious and bold as you should be if you're never stumbling, if you're never um, hitting a wall, if you're never um, if you're never you know kind of uh, sitting in the discomfort that we talked about. So um, and then along with that, I just think for people to um, to try new things, to embrace that kind of a long term intellectual journey of learning, because I think we there's you know so much change and ferment in the world that uh, that that not thinking that you have to define yourself as I'm going to do this, I'm going to be this at some point, but more moving into a sense of um, of uh, a, a evolving journey that will unfold and to uh, and to and ultimately to for. for um, I always really encourage people to to find their passion. You know, what's that intersection of your great gift and and the world's great need? As as uh, to paraphrase, um, I think Martin Buber. Thank you for that. And I wanted to. One of my favorite questions is about failure, and I wanted to have a little post-it here. It's about more about the risk you're talking about. You can't grow inside your comfort zone. So that's yeah. that, right? So you can't exactly. you be the, the, you know, if you are an emerging leader, if that is what you aspire to, you have to take risk. You have to go into the, the, the places that you may fail, hopefully will fail at, right? That's right. Yeah, you sort of just had this Im image of a comfort zone as being sort of a box and sort of constantly trying to push beyond that is, um, is so important, creating more space. How do you deal with that in your own self? Because we're wired not to take risks. You know, if you, the little I know about brain science, that your brain would be happiest if you just stayed home all day and never. I do worry that in the age of COVID, I might not, I might not have the courage to leave my house after a few more months of this. But uh, yeah, I, um, you know, look, I don't, I don't, I am not the master of, of courageous action. I think we, I, I still struggle with taking risk and um, and embracing the possibility of failure. So I think it's a, a constant. <laughs> constant practice so to speak uh and um i think it does help when you've had when you've had enough failures that you recognize that you can you can get up and dust yourself off um and uh and and put things a little bit in perspective by virtue of um of having stumbled enough times and isn't there something so when you are a leader as you are there's something about being open about your failures, it allows other people also to be more open about theirs. We're always failing all the time. And, and there's, I think there's a strength in saying, okay, watch this. Yeah. I, one of our, um, one of my colleagues and, um, and uh, the team, team leaders within care started a, a, 
a, a failure podcast, so to speak, where she interviewed people within the organization to talk about their failures and what could we learn from them. And, um, you know, it's it's hard because we want to put our best foot forward and we want to tell a positive story. And we and we need to find the way of celebrating because, you know, you, you can't constantly be self-flagellating. Um, but you but you also do need to be able to speak, I think, to um to, to what have you learned from the mistakes that you've made and to, as you say, create a culture. And I think that's hard to do. I think we still struggle with that at CARE is creating a culture in which it's okay to share um, mistakes because that means basically we're sharing learning. Right. And if that's the flip and it's not just CARE, it's all organizations that I'm aware of, that's the flip is I'm not, it's not failure. It's learn. It's a learning. Here's the learning. How do we, frame it that way as opposed to, you know, failure, which takes us back to grammar school when, right. you know, I love that right. you guys have a podcast talking about failure. That would be. That failing thing. forward, I think is part of what it's, the idea is. Yeah. yeah. How do we, how do we move forward from um, what we're learning? I like that. So you can see it sent me off into thinking about that. So let's um, just take a minute. Here you are leading care for five, six years, right? Almost six? Almost, almost, yeah. So looking back on your younger self, what advice would you give your younger self? That's what you know now that you could say, honey, this, here's some tips for you. Yeah, don't we all wish that we had the wisdom of our of our years, along with the opportunity and, and energy and aspiration of our youth uh, in some sort of masterful concoction of of uh, of wisdom and um, inspiration? I, I think it would go back to those lessons around around uh, risk and failure, really, and um, and and recognizing that um, that it is okay to fail. I mean, I I ran for um, public office. I ran for the U.S. Senate. I was the Democratic nominee in Georgia for the U.S. Senate in 2014. And um, it was, you know, if you had asked me, my my very younger self, if you had asked me in high school if I would ever run for public office, I would have said, no, never. I would, and partly because I, I w could not have faced the, I didn't believe that I could face the, um, the potential of that sort of public uh, failure, so to speak. And, um, and so having endured that and moved through that, I think that, uh, that, that you learn that um, much more of the, uh, of the, the hardest part is usually the anxiety about the failure, not the failure itself. And, um, and that I think what you end up regretting over the years is, is, is the places where you uh, didn't try versus the places where you've, where you've attempted to, to do something. So that sounds like a sort of cliche, but I think we learn that over and over again in our experience and in our, in our lives. And so, um, so I would just sort of, I would lean back into that, um, idea of embracing a big aspiration and um and and you know being willing to say that you won't always get it right and that you'll you'll endure you'll be and you'll persevere and you'll uh and you'll still find a way of uh, moving forward and i i love that and that feels like the right note to end on and i just wanted to ask also my theory that I tell people is when you attempt it, you feel 
even if you fail, you usually feel more resilient afterwards. Well, I did that. You know, yeah, it worked there. It didn't work, but I, I, I'm stronger because of it. Would does that resonate at all with you? Yeah, absolutely. I feel, um, I feel much. Um, uh, richer in the broader sense, not in the specific sense for having, for instance, run for office. And, um, and I, you know, I woke up the next morning, uh, and, you know, really had a hard time getting out of the bed and had uh, two younger children then who jumped into the bed, one of whom said, I'm so sorry, you lost. And, uh, you know, I think it would help us all if I got a new iPhone uh, to uh, to make up for the difference. And, you know, a, a younger uh, daughter who said, let's go have banana pancakes and then, you know, we'll be ready to move on. And you um, you do find that uh, that you 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 get perspective and you do move forward and you are, I think, ultimately um, stronger for uh, for uh, for all of those lessons for sure. I love the let's go have banana pancakes. That should be the motto. <laughs> no matter what happens, you can go have banana pancakes afterwards. And you will feel better. And you will feel better. Michelle, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're, you've got a million things going on. So thank you for coming and talking to us and sharing with us with so much heart your stories. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for the opportunity and thanks for um, showcasing for all of us uh, the lessons of leadership. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. 